Hi, this is a message from Life Church Leeds. We hope it encourages and helps you. Two weeks ago, I spoke a message here. If you remember, for those of you that were here, and the message was called, Where Am I? Okay, where am I? And it was based on the book of Jonah, where Jonah is found in a whale and it's spat out onto the beach as God wants him to go to Nineveh. And there was this disorientation in um, Jonah. And we spoke about how life has really caused many of us to be in that place of disorientation and where many of you might be spun around and you feel like you've been spun around a washing machine. And you're at that point in your life now where you're going like, where am I? Like, where am I? Not necessarily physically speaking, but where am I in my emotions? Where am I in my thought processes? Where am I in what I believe? Where, where am I? And hopefully that was helpful to some of you. You can listen to that if you want on any of our iTunes, um, Apple Music or Spotify. Um, you can listen to that. But today I'm going to do part two of this um, mini thing. So where, I, where am I was two weeks ago, and then this is going to be a new one today, which I'll share with you in a moment. 1 Kings chapter 19 is where we're going to read from today. 1 Kings 19 verses 1 to 18. Leeds United won again. Josh, why don't you just stand up and show everyone your new shirt? There we are. There we are. That's why he's on the front row today, okay? Because if you wear a Leeds shirt, you get on the front row. If you wear a Man U shirt, you're left in the car park. Okay. 1 Kings 19 verses 1 to 18. It says, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my, any of my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. How many of you know food strengthens you? The right food strengthens you. Meat feast pizzas don't strengthen you. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with sword. I am the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came, came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. 
Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazal king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshai king over Israel and anoint Elisha son of Japhat from Abel Mahullah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put, you, will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazel, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all of whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Then verse 19 says, So Elijah went from there and he found Elisha, who ultimately took on the mantle from Elijah. You might think that's a bit of a bizarre, unique passage of Scripture to read today, but the reason I read that passage out is because God asks a question of Elijah that maybe you feel God is asking of you. Or if you don't feel God is asking of that of you, maybe you are asking that of yourself. And it is a question that I'm sure many of maybe have asked, especially over the last year, more than you have done before. And even right now, you might be asking yourself this question, and it's going to come on the screen right now. The question is this. What am I doing? (laughs) What am I doing? Now, I have had abs speak to me many times and say to me, Dave, what are you doing? (laughs) But there have also been times where I have also asked my own life, my own self, what am I doing? Have you ever done something daft and then gone, what am I doing? (laughs) Have you ever done something that you regret and you're like, what was I thinking? What was I doing? Why did I wear that? Why did I say that? Why did I go there? What was I thinking? What am I doing is the title of the message today. Two weeks ago when I spoke, what we were really looking at was the disorientation that many of you have felt this year where you feel like spun around and now you're asking like, where am I? But today, what today looks at is more of the disconnect with your purpose that the last year might have brought upon you. Now, I know many of you are going to be listening to this message from different places. If you are a student or maybe a young adult and you don't have many of the responsibilities that maybe some older people do in the church, you can often think, yeah, well, I'm I'm definitely asking this question. What am I doing? What do I want to do with my life? Like, what really matters? Some of you are probably literally circling that question most days, most weeks. Others of you who have 2.4 children and you live in a house and you have responsibilities, you're like, well, it's a nice question to have, but the reality is I have to do things, okay? I can't just up sticks and move. We have, you know, we have jobs and we have commitments and we have kids in education and, and we've managed to keep our jobs. And so I appreciate everyone probably approaches this question definitely, um, differently. Some of you, put your hand up if you've asked yourself this maybe in the past nine to 12 months, what am I doing, Okay. And some of you might be like, I'm fine, I'm good. Well, God bless you. But others of here might need a little bit more encouragement with this. I'm sure at some point in your life, you've had a job and you've thought, what am I doing? I definitely have. I remember working for a telesales company and I spent a whole day just ringing through numbers on a, on a screen. I didn't get one sale. And at the end of the day, the supervisor comes to me and says, how was your day? I says, not very good. She went, mm, I can see that from your figures. Shall we just call it a day here? So I went, yes, please. <laughs> Nothing worse than ringing up someone saying, do you want to buy it? They're going, Beep. They, don't even like, they don't even respond. <laughs> 
they just hang up. That's my, I think my children knocking on the window. Hi guys, it's Roman, Tyrone, it's yours. And so some of you have had a job and thought that, what am I doing? Some of you have lived somewhere and thought, what am I doing? Some of you have dated someone and thought, what am I doing? It is the coming of the senses. When you come to your senses like the prodigal son does in the Gospels, the parable of the prodigal son, who finds himself eating the pods in the pig pen, after he has had the luxury of the being with the father's house and the feast available to him, through the choice of his, the consequences of his decisions and the squandering of his inheritance, he finds himself looking after pigs, not even able to feed himself, having to eat what the pigs are eating. And the Bible says he comes to his senses and he asks himself pretty much this question, what am I doing? Why would I sit, stand and eat pig food when my father's house is there, I need to return to the father's house. And many of you know the story of the prodigal son who returns and the father is waiting. Well, runs to him, the Bible says, which was unusual for Jewish men to run because Jewish men didn't run because that was a sign of rushing and disorder. And so Jewish men didn't run, especially Jewish fathers. But the Bible says the Jewish father ran to his son as a symbol of, I don't care about protocol. I love you more than I love my traditions. And he embraced his son, put a ring on his finger, killed a calf and had a great big party. Shows the love of God. But really it was the key part of that story is when the son comes to his senses. It's being in that place and not necessarily a pig pen because some of you are like, well, life's not that bad. <laughs> okay, it's, it's hard, it's challenging, it's tough, but it's not pig pen bad. But it's being in that place where you begin to question your life. You begin to question what is life all about. You begin to question, what difference are you making? You begin to question, where should we be? What do we want? What are our values? What is our mission? What do we really want? Do we want to get to the 70, 80, 90 years old and just have accomplished a whole lot of things and we've got some nice houses and we've got some nice possessions? Is that what we want? Because if we want that, we can probably get that. Or do we want something else? You have to decide because what you do with your life will often result in what you get from your life. What you do with it will determine what you get from it. And yesterday I was having a conversation with someone who's, who's been in church many years. And I just said, hey, mate, how, how are you doing? And we just started chatting. And he's like, you know what? He goes, I, I, don't, really like, I don't really know. I've got a lot of questions about what I want to do and where I want to be. I'm, I feel like I'm asking myself this question. He didn't know I was even speaking on this. But I could sense in him there was just a churning in his soul about almost like the purpose of life. And I'm sure some of you have probably had those points where we've been, I think because we've been in lockdown for so long and you find yourself on your sofa most nights, where before you'd have traveled or you'd gone out or you'd gone to the cinema or you'd gone to the gym or you'd gone to Nando's or you'd, it's fine, like you find yourself in the same seat <laughs> most nights with the same people. And what happens then is your brain starts to go overtime. And you start to question yourself where before you're almost like you were so busy and you're active and almost like you were distracted. Now the space and time, which is not a bad thing, but has sometimes caused you to go very analytical into certain aspects of life where before you were more free as a bird. And go, yeah, whatever. Now you're like, what do I need? I need a plan. I'm, I'm confused. And that is often by the, the byproduct of the circumstances that we've faced. 
But I want to say, like I said a couple of weeks ago, where if you were asking like yourself, where am I? That is not a bad thing to have questions with God about. And it's not a bad thing for you to be asking this question over your life right now. Maybe it is a sign from God to your life that there are decisions to be made. That there are things, there is progress to be made. That there is a change, there is a transition, there is a shift where you come to your senses, where you open your eyes and you look and see your life where you open your ears and you listen maybe to the voice of God and you listen to others, where you come to your senses and you, you smell what does the future look like, where you begin to use your hands and you begin to touch, what, like what do I want these hands to do? God has given me these hands. What is the purpose of these hands? The coming to your senses is a good thing. And my aim today is not to tell you what to do with your life, my aim today is to help and maybe provoke you to ask some questions about what you feel God is leading you towards so that the next few months or years of your life can have purpose, can have direction, can have a sense of real vitality and enthusiasm with it rather than being fairly dissatisfied with what you are doing. Does that make sense? And so the reason it was good for the prodigal was because he came to his senses like Elijah comes to his senses almost like I'm not doing and I'm not living what God has called me to live and for Elijah he comes to this point where he is living with such dissatisfaction of life and it's almost like the gauge on his dashboard of his life is in the red and for Elijah it comes to his point of his life where he's like I don't want to live anymore I am, so, I am so done with how things are being done that I don't want to do this anymore. And there is this kind of flashing moment on the dashboard of his life, such dissatisfaction. And if you are in that place today where there is a dissatisfaction of life within you, maybe today is going to help you as you ask yourself this question, what am I doing? I want, to be, I want to put this like a bit of a precursor because sometimes when we ask this question, you need to be wise with this question because this could be a dangerous message, okay? Because in the next couple of hours, some of you could book flights to go and live in Bali, <laughs> okay? While I'm right preaching this message, some of you are writing your resignation email, okay? Stop it, Tyrone. Some of you are putting your house on the market as we know, like we can often, it often leads us to make some knee jerk, very quick decision, which decisions, which are rash and can lack wisdom. Okay. And so we quit or we move out or we leave church or we change country or we move away or we send a strong email. We do things which they might be the right thing to do following process, but hold fire on being so knee-jerk and rash in some of the decisions that you plan on making. There are times, however, when the time is now. Sometimes you do need to act quick. And if you're in an abusive situation and you're asking yourself, what am I doing? The time to go is now. If you're in a place of danger, if you're in a place of illegal activity and you're asking yourself, what am I doing? The time to go is, guess what? Now. And so there are times when it does require a quick decision, but what I'm encouraging you today is to, is to think about the process of what am I 
doing because often the question normally causes to make some readjustments to our life and the readjustments come in a few areas one of the readjustments comes in what we think what I call the processing and so the readjustments what are, what are we what am I doing causes us to readjust our processing how we think the second thing is what we feel because much of our life is based on what we feel some of you come to this church because it feels good. Some of you live in your apartment because it feels good. Some of you like your job because it feels good. Some of you have that boyfriend or girlfriend because it feels good. And so we can't underestimate the power and the value of our feelings. They are, they are the emotions that we have. And so the adjustments in our life are about how we process. They are about our emotions and then also what we see, our perspective. What do I see in the present but also what do I see in the future. Is this making sense or is this a little bit deep for a Sunday morning? And I'm not trying to be a psychologist or a psych psychiatrist or a sociologist or a, I'm not trying to be anything. <laughs> I just want to kind of provoke us with the word of God to ask ourselves in this season, what am I actually doing? Because whenever you make big decisions, you need a good handle on those three things. You need a good handle on what am I thinking? What am I feeling and what am I seeing? Okay, what am I thinking, what am I feeling and what am I seeing? And in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4 to 5, like we read earlier, Elijah finds himself in this place where he says, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. And he literally, you can just see him slumping under a, under a tree, Almost in that place of, I give up. What am I doing serving God anyway? Look what it brings me. God, I've laid my life for you to do this. And look, I've got people after me. What is the point? What am I doing? Some of you, like, I've been in the band for years. Like, what's the point? We do like four songs most weeks. But like, what's the, we serve in this, we, serve, we, we do this. And we still do every Thursday, feeding the homeless and helping streetwise. But the same people keep coming back. And the person who was homeless four years ago is still homeless now. And we still provide food parcels to the families in Leeds. But yeah, they're not risking. And you come to this point sometimes where it builds up and you go, what am I doing? <laughs> Or what are we doing? And we slump under a tree and we begin to ask ourselves questions, maybe not to the level that Elijah is, but all of us come to different points in our emotions and our perspectives where we ask ourselves that question. And it is a good question. And the reason it's a good question is because what you do with your life matters. What you do with your life matters. You see, contentment comes from who you are. That is your being, okay? Your contentment. And so I'm content in life because that comes from who I am. Who I am in life. That is the human being of who I am. But fulfillment comes from what you do. Okay, I repeat that. Contentment comes from who you are. But fulfillment comes from what you do. What you do is you're doing. And so it is the process. Fulfillment is the process of receiving goods and then processing and delivering those goods to customers. So when you buy something on Amazon, which some of you do every day, it enters the Amazon system. The process of fulfillment is when the order is received and the order is processed and the order gets delivered to its appropriate destination. That process is actually called fulfillment in, in the business sector. And so fulfillment comes from what you do when what is ordered from your life 
gets delivered to the correct destination. And I want to ask you that question today. What has been ordered from your life? (laughs) Because what has been ordered, is it being delivered? Or is there a bit of a malfunction currently in the system? Some of you are like, I don't even know what's been ordered. I don't even know what I'm selling. (laughs) Some of you might just be in different places, but what has been ordered gets delivered. Sometimes we think we are dissatisfied because we have contentment issues. But often we don't have contentment issues, we have fulfillment issues. You see, um, fulfillment issues, like I'm saying, is the delivery of what has been ordered. But the contentment, which is more important, I would say, because the contentment is the foundation of who you are. It is your being, and your being sets the foundation for your doing. So some of you are like, well, I'm really confused in what I should be doing. But the reason is probably because there might be some malfunction in your contentment. Because sometimes we try and fix what we do without first fixing who we be. And so we're all about the the doing, and yet we ignore the being. That is why sometimes some people go from job to job, place to place, wife to wife, trying to fix their doing. But the reality is, there's not a problem with their doing. The problem is in who they're being. (laughs) Their being is not healthy. That's why Philippians 4 verse 12, Paul, the apostle says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Ultimately, what Paul is saying is my life is good because God is good. He says I am strong because God makes me strong. For Paul, it wasn't a doing issue. It was a being issue. Because he knew his being set the foundation for his doing. It was the contentment of who he is. And Paul said he had learned the secret of being content. And can I encourage you to find contentment in God? You won't find contentment in what you do. That's a fulfillment issue. You find your contentment in who you are, your identity, and the, and the relationships that you have, and the health of your soul. That is where contentment comes from. You can be content like Paul was and have nothing. You can be content like Paul was and have no food, have no house, like have nothing. The Bible says he talks about that in any and every situation. It doesn't always mean you're fulfilled, but you're in a place of contentment. And so just because you're not in the right job, you can still be content. Just because you're not living in California by the beach, you can still be content living in Round Hay in Leeds. Okay? Because contentment isn't found in a place. Contentment is found in a person. It is found in your relationship ultimately with Christ who tells you who you are in Christ. And from that, it sets the foundation for everything that you can do in your life. So question, how do you know if what you are doing is what you should be doing? And I'm not just talking about your job right now, but I'm talking about 24 hours of your life. Because, but in your job, let's go there for a moment, because your job, for many of you, I know some of you are retired, and some of you are retired are like, whoop, whoop, (laughs) best thing ever. Some of you are not yet into employment, are like, whoop, whoop, (laughs) best thing ever. (laughs) And then some of you who are in full-time employment or like intense part-time employment are like, man, this is like consuming. Yeah, it's called work. (laughs) Pays bills. Okay, I know you want to be a YouTube star. But at the moment, you get 22 views a week. Okay? 
And so you might get 0.02p after every 10 years, but that ain't going to pay the gas bill. I know you want to Instagram yourself at the top of some Leeds building in your new, like, hat. <laughs> but there ain't enough money coming in from that yet. So you've got to go and get a job at KFC. Okay? And get the bargain bucket. And so let's talk about your job for a moment. Because if you don't like your job, a lot of people speak to me that they don't like their job. Tyrone spoke to me this week about how he doesn't like it. <laughs> if you don't like your job, can I say this? Don't just quit. If you don't like your job, don't just quit. I know you'll hear other people, Gary Vee and other people who are, who are influencers and who have all their things. And man, if you don't like your job, just quit your job now. <laughs> it's like, and people just go and quit their job. And then they're wondering, well, I've got no money to buy food and I can't do this. I'm like, no, hold on. Let's put a little bit of wisdom and process in some of these decisions. If you don't just, don't just quit your job, but do this, think and investigate what you could do based on your passions, based on your giftings, and start to navigate and maybe think about and make some steps in that direction. That dream job might not come straight away. That dream salary probably won't come straight away, but you can take jobs in that direction. Before I, before I was doing what I'm doing now, I was working in sports development. Really, that was really what I wanted to do. But I had to do probably five or six jobs before I got there. And when I was doing it, I was like, I'm loving this. This is great. But they, if you'd looked at me at this place, I'd have been like, what am I doing? But really, they were steps in the right direction. And sometimes you feel like you're going sideways. But sometimes sideways is what you need to do to get to the next place. And sometimes what we have is 25-year-olds who want to be in their dream job and their dream salary working from coffee shops. <laughs> like, there's some, there's some not reality about that. The reality is you have to take steps. And some people are lucky enough to, wow, I'm 24 and I've got my dream job and dream salary and everything's fine. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. But normally, it takes a while to get to some of those places. And there are some people in the room today who are in your 40s, 50s and 60s and you are still in a, dream, in a job that you don't like doing. So all of us are in different places and all of us have a different perspective on work. Sometimes some people think, well, work is a means to an end. Work fulfills what I need to do for, for really what our passions are and really what we want to do in life. But I don't, I don't really want to do it, but it, it, it kind of serves the purpose. Others of you like, no, my job has to be my purpose. It has to be like what God has made me for. And I don't think there's necessarily a one size fits all on that. I think you can have a different approach, but I do think it is good to have a good work ethic. And I think it is good that the gift, that job that you have begins to match some of your passions and your giftings. Because as you get older, I think your job satisfaction is important because as you get older, it's no longer about simply paying bills, but it's about using your experience and using your training and maximizing your potential. However, your job does not define your purpose. Your job does not define your calling. Your job does not define your identity. You can still find purpose in life in a job that you do not enjoy. Okay? You can still fulfill purpose in your life in a job that you don't enjoy. And you might be like asking, how, how on earth do I do that, Dave? If, if eight hours of my day is spent doing a job that I don't enjoy, then how do I fulfill purpose? Because Philippians chapter 3 Paul, the apostle, gives us a little bit of insight into it. Look what he says in verse 10. I want to know Christ. Yeah, I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. 
and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all of this or if I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Look at this line. And this is really, I want to kind of hone in on here and close in the next couple of minutes. Look what he says. But one thing I, everybody say it together. One thing I, come on, better than that, all together. One thing I, one thing I do. Paul is talking about what he is doing. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What am I doing in my job? What am I doing in my relationships? What am I doing in my career? What am I doing in whatever is all found in the one thing I do. And so what I do is I get my job and I get my friendships and I get my careers and and I get whatever and whatever and whatever. I get all of those things which are important and still have value. But what I do is I get all of them and I put them under the submission of the one thing I do. You see, Paul was a friend. Paul was a leader. Paul was a tent maker. Paul was an author. Paul was a preacher. Paul was a builder. Paul was a theologian. Paul was a friend. Paul Paul did a lot. You know, if you want to compare CVs, Paul did a lot with his life. But he says, but there's one thing I do. Everything else, yeah, yeah, that's important, but there's one thing I do. I press on towards the goal. I forget what is behind and I press on towards the goal. Some of you might be like, well, what's the goal? Come on, reveal what is the goal. (laughs) We're getting close now. What is the goal? Is the goal to make more money? Is the goal to have more influence? Is the goal to be more successful? Is the goal to have more things? None of those things are wrong. More money isn't wrong. More influence and more success and more things, none of those things are wrong. But for Paul the Apostle, who tells us to follow him after he follows after Christ, says the one thing in Philippians 3 verse 10. Look what it says. I want to know Christ. That's what I do. That's my goal. I want to know Christ. Paul is saying all of my doing is found in this one thing. The prize calling us heavenward won't be found in the number of cars you have won't be found in the level of success or influence that you have. The prize calling you heavenward won't be found in anything else other than knowing Christ. I'll tell you why. Because knowing Christ is the door to every other door. (laughs) Knowing Christ is what builds your contentment. Knowing Christ is what strengthens your identity. 
Knowing Christ is what makes relationships rich. Knowing Christ is what makes purposeful living come alive. Knowing Christ is what you do. And from that place, everything can then follow. I can know Christ and I can have the worst job in the world and yet I can be content and I can be satisfied. Why? Because the one thing I do is I know Christ. But the more I know Christ, He fills me with wisdom. He fills me with discernment. He builds my confidence. He changes my work ethic. I have a passion. I have a vision. I have a vitality. And now I start going for training. And now I start looking at jobs that everyone said I'd never be able to do. But yet God is doing something in who I say, who God says I am. And therefore you might say, I don't have the qualifications for that, but I know who I am in Christ. Because who you know you are, because of your knowledge of Christ. The one thing I do is found in knowing Christ. So I forget what is behind and I focus on what is ahead. And so what is ahead is this question, how much of a priority is it for my life to know Christ? Is it a greater priority right now in your life to climb the career ladder than it is to know Christ? Is it a greater priority in your life right now to get every qualification under the sun than it is to know Christ? Is it my priority right now to build a mega church that's popular, influential, or is my priority to know Christ? Because we can do things well with our own gifting and with our own ability. We can do it. But I tell you what, that is not what God has called us to do. And so the question of what am I doing has a simple answer. What am I doing? God's like, well, what you are doing is coming to know me. And as you come to know me, You watch the doors I will open for everything else that is in your heart to do. Because when I make it about everything else, I lose track of where I am. And that is why you can have everything and feel like you have nothing. It's why your bank balance can be exploding. It's why you can have opportunities coming from here, there and everywhere and you still feel dissatisfied. Why? Because the satisfaction of life comes from knowing Christ, truly knowing Christ. I'm not talking about 90 minutes on a Sunday knowing Christ. I'm talking about walking with Him every day, growing and strengthening in your knowledge and your relationship with Christ. Because as you know Christ, you'll live holy. As you know Christ, you'll follow His ways. As you know Christ, you'll seek first His kingdom. As you know Christ, you'll love your neighbour. And if you feel like Elijah, you sense God and you might be here today you, and you might like, what am I doing? Can I encourage you? Listen to His voice. Because normally it's a still small voice putting you back on track with His calling. What does his calling look like? Change job, move here. I think God's like, those things, they're kind of like a bit lower down on the list. Top of the list is know me. Yeah, but God, what job should I have? Yeah, know me. Where should we be living right now? It's becoming a real stress. Just know me. And as you know him, he'll reveal things to you. He'll shut doors. He'll open doors. He'll close paths. He'll open paths. And you won't be striving, trying to peel open opportunities and peel open things. No, you'll just walk. Why? Because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. As you walk in relationship with Him, as you know Christ, He'll shut that door and open this door. And because you know His voice, you'll be able to walk calm 
confidently, at ease, with contentment and with fulfilment. And so today I need to close, but if you were asking the question, what am I doing? My answer back to you is, are you knowing Christ as number one? Is he, is he your priority? Try that first and see where it takes you. Because fulfilment comes when what is ordered gets delivered. When what is ordered gets delivered. On Thursday, I close with this, you can stand to your feet. Thursday, we're working in the office here. And as I'm driving just 200 meters up this road, there was a teenage girl stood on the bridge. Stood on the bridge like this. We could see her. Police there, fire brigades there, everyone, workers just coming out staring like it's like a movie. As this girl, can I have that back? Sorry. Just one, just leave it there, it's fine. <laughs> Only because there's one more thing I need to read, which I don't know what it is. And she stood there and we, we're there praying. We come out of our office and we're like, we're going to pray into this situation. Thank God at three o'clock, they called her down from the bridge and she was rescued and she was safe. She'd been missing for a few days and had taken herself to the brink of ending her life. And it caused me to ask, what am I doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Because there's a girl there who is in desperate need of hope. There's, there's people in desperate need of hope. And then I, I get a message from a friend of mine who's in this room today. And I don't want to call him out. I don't want to draw attention to him because he might not be ready for that. But he sends me a message to say, since I started coming to this church just over the last three months, I am now clean from addiction. Like Tyrone said, we read it in the praise report and I'm moving in a direction. I'll tell you what the answer is what am I doing? That's what I'm doing. That's what we're doing. You see what fulfillment is? Fulfillment comes when what is ordered gets delivered. How do you know what has been ordered? You've got to connect. You've got to log on. You've got to plug in. You've got to be open to receive. You cannot close your life down and expect orders to come your way. You cannot shut yourself down to God and expect God to give you orders to be delivered to people and to be delivered in purpose. You cannot receive an order when your system is down. And so my aim today is to turn your system on towards the voice and the words of God and to know Christ. Come on, let's lift our hands in the air if you feel comfortable or just put them out by your side or in the front of you. God, we come to you today knowing that you are a God who is for us, a God who loves us. And for anyone asking today, what am I doing? God, I pray you bring clarity in this moment. I pray you'd be the still small voice that speaks and encourages every soul in this place in the name of Jesus. God, we want to know you more. That is our life's mission. It is to know you. It is to know Christ. That is what we want. And right now we lift our hearts to you. We look to you in Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing this song together and then we'll close.